Knock, knock. Oh, uh, love starting with some comedy. Um, okay, knock, knock. Uh, okay. Uh, who's there? Armageddon. Armageddon, sick of this coronavirus, am I right? Wait, is that your... Wait, did sorry, you read ask my me notes? again. Ask me again. Did you read my notes? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? I didn't read your note. You're not original. This is all over Twitter, mate. Just because no, you saw not. a joke somewhere else doesn't mean that you're the only person who saw it. Can't you just play along? I did play along. No, you didn't. I did. You, you wanted didn't. me to. You wanted me to, to, you know, take part in a joke. Here I am, you ready know how... to take part. It's the second time you've done that in like a couple of months. <laughs> when you, I would never do that to you. You constantly no but all of my improvs. Hmm. I don't know. That was pretty mean, to be honest. Okay, let's just let's 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 start fresh. Hang up. No. Hang up. I want everyone to everyone everyone to hear how mean you are to me. You better fucking hang up this podcast right now, or I'm gonna leak those nudes that you sent me. <laughs> And I know that you're proud of them, but as an objective outsider, let me just they're say, good they're not going to go down the way that you think they will. <laughs> All the way, uh, there's, a, there's a joke there. What, do you, you want to tell that, that one too. instead? No, let's just move on. It's ruined comedy for you. That's, I was so excited about that. It really was. But, but it, it wasn't your joke, was it? It was. Well, you know, it wasn't. The the last line of that joke was my was my was my joke. Okay, but uh, but the Armageddon Armageddon and a bit uh, you know whatever that was someone else's yeah. Okay, but who, they probably got it from someone else. So yeah, and they didn't have a fucking friend to step in the way and. What was your them... What was your end bit going to be? Armageddon, a bit worried about all this coronavirus. You basically said it word for word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come well, at least at least we had that shot, you know. Yeah. Put out, put us, put it, put a stamp on it. I thought it was going to be really. You're going to hit the ground running this time. Yeah. Well. How did you feel listening back to last week's episode, last time's episode about that hard start? Because we're back at we're back into the, the slow ramp up now, and I just you know, I, I want to know what you whether you'd commit to it long term, whether you felt no. like an idiot for suggesting it. <laughs> I was happy to have tried it. Okay. Well, I'm glad to yeah. have I'm glad to have taken part. Speaking of which, I was uh, walking through a park the other day and it was just like it was like it's uh, it's like Sunday afternoon, walking through this park, it was just filled with kids and I was uh, I became acutely aware of the fact that I was the only one there without a kid and I was like kind of dressed in like it was a bit daggy and stuff. I just wanted to like go for a walk. And so I just got out my phone and just pretended to be on my phone so I didn't look like a pedophile. I don't think that would have helped. I don't know if it did, but, you know, if I'm distracted by my phone while I'm around kids, then I'm probably not attracted to them. Yeah. Well, I'm not, like, consumed with... Attraction, um, yeah. Attraction. So yeah. that was my logic there. Just but, to put the parents at ease. Yeah, yeah. And did you feel like you were getting stares from people? Or was this all internal? I think it was all in my head. Yeah. I think it was all in my head. But yeah. I was like, the fact that I'm doing that. 
is um, it's like when you you probably well you might have this as well, but when you, have you ever gotten off the tram at the same time as like a young woman, and then you they've taken you need to go like a certain way, and you've like accidentally started like following them, and you're yeah. like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm not. I just want to go up and say, hey, I'm not a rapist, but then that would probably make things worse. Yeah. You know? What what I do in that situation is like either just slow down or speed up. Yeah. Like, I, I try and but do that. But speeding the... up scary for them. No, I don't know. I don't think so. As long as you... Because, you started because hearing remember, footsteps going really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But remember, they can't see you. And the moment that you're past them and moving on, then they can see you. And then it's like in yes. their control. Yes. You need to be in front of them. Yeah. I've just I've just completely walked the other way. I've just I've yeah. Just, I mean just that's the it. other thing. Sometimes if you like have variations in the route that you could take, you just I just go a different way. Yeah, I cross. Um, like if someone's coming like my direction on the footpath as well, I'll um, you know cross the street if they're black. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay. We're doing it. We're doing it. I like it. That's that's what we call a a misdirect. Yeah, that was that was that was that misdirected me. Was... <laughs> uh, welcome to Deepport, everybody. Hey, good hey. to have you with us. You know, trying times, interesting times, and and you're still here. So that's very nice of you. Um, this is a podcast in which we reassure everyone about the integrity of society uh, through the privileged eyes of two white men sitting through the internet with us michael say hi michael <coughs> oh god oh it's in my mouth oh oh god <laughs> oh and i'm nick oh oh god i had it oh that looks good on the audio mm. yeah that's that's peaked um hey ben pretty good um I've got a bit of a. I've got a quick story. If you want me to kick cool. off with a story, okay. you want to end with a story? Oh, let's kick off with a story. Kick it off. Um, all right. So I was at I was at uh, dinner the other night with uh, my friend Casper and my friend Ben, um, not my brother. We we're at out at this uh, Indian restaurant called uh, Horn Please, and called Horn. We ordered out Horn Please. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's just kind of like a like a kind of a swanky Indian place, like a, a little bit like upmarket, but still like casual dining. Yeah. Anyway, the restaurant was full. We order our meals. Um, and probably about five minutes after we order our meals, we hear this like huge commotion coming right from the back of the restaurant, like huge, like swearing. And we look over, the whole restaurant stops talking. They look back. There's this like guy probably around my age, just going, I wanted more fucking chili. I asked just two times more fucking chili. And he's flipping chairs. Whoa. And smacking down on someone else's table, some other table's table. Whoa, took my headphones there. Um, and he's just going ballistic, asking for more chili. And his dad, I think it was his dad, um, was but trying to like, push him away, push him out, the push him out of the restaurant. And this guy is just fucking screaming. It's like kind of scary. Anyway, they get him out of the restaurant and, um, the waiter comes over with our food and stuff. And we're asking if they're okay. I made a joke. I said, can I get a bit more chili? And she was like, I was kind of learnt nervously laughed. Didn't really get it. Um, 
And then we were talking to them about it, and they were like, yeah, but he's uh, he's actually just outside still, so we still don't know if the threat's gone. And we look out the window, and he's just going, like, he's doing something with his hands and stuff. He's looking manic. It, he, he was doing. He was looking inside the restaurant, or he was, like, he was sort of raving the on the restaurant. street, right? He looked like he was yelling, but we couldn't hear him. And he kept, like, holding up his phone to the window. Um but it looked like so, there was nothing on the phone. Sorry, can you just backtrack a second for me? Did you say that he was like escorted out of the building, or he got up and stormed yeah. out, or no? He was escorted out by right. his by his dad. Right, I think it was his dad or the guy that he was with. Yeah, yeah. And then, so we have our we eat our food, and then after we eat our food, about ten minutes after that, this guy comes storming back in crazier than before they had this like gimmicky little horn like a thing with a tooty horn yeah. at the front because it's like a <laughs> yeah one of those ones um and he is behind the bar blasting it in this like it's probably like 15 year old indian kid who's just like in his thing he's probably his first job yeah and he's just looking down man if you could have seen this kid it was so like sad and he's just like looking down oh well this guy he doesn't know what to do he's just like this guy is just blasting this horn and screaming and shit. Anyway, me and Casper is like we're like at the we're the closest table to yeah. where this is happening. Yeah, and you can see we're looking at the back back of the restaurant. The head chefs are like noticing the commotion and starting to storm up, like just some big burly Indian guys. And um, we're just like, I don't know, should we step in here? And we didn't. We were like, yeah, I guess we should like try and help. And so we try and like get this guy out of the restaurant without like manhandling him or yeah. I don't know, getting hit ourselves or whatever. And I was probably like, you know, face 20 centimeters face. away from his face. I'm like looking at him. He's like, while you're, he's you're yelling, I'm yelling at him. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he had the, I was definitely in the, in not the safe zone. Okay. As we say now. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I had a bit of drink. I was like, I was yelling at him, what the fuck are you doing? That's what I kept yelling over and over. That just what, that's what came to my head. Yeah. And he's just like screaming. We're like, he, he wasn't, he didn't seem that scary, like face to face. Like, you know, like yeah. certain situations, I'll get scared sometimes when there's no one even there. Yeah. But Ghosts. in this situation, might have been the booze, might have been because I'm the fucking man, but I was not scared at all. Yeah. Um, and we ended up getting this guy out, locked the door, and waited for the, uh, well, they called the police, escorted them off. Yeah. Um, and that was the last. So that was... Uh, so do you think he was like, I don't know, like on cocaine or something or what? Um, we spoke to the staff about it and they said that before he went crazy the first time, the guy that he was with, probably his dad, went up to the staff and said, can I get the check? I think um, this guy is like taking something and I want to get him out of here before he starts like losing it. Right. So it looked like he took something. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, pretty, look on pretty, you. Good, good for you stepping in as as bloody, yeah, man. you know, a defender the, of the um, restaurant. Yeah. And the food was really good. Didn't get any discount. Oh, hoping for a bit boys. of discount. But maybe maybe they were still just in shock. And if next time you go back, maybe there'll be like a security camera picture of you up on the wall. Like, yeah, 
um, yeah. hero, save store, you know, life membership, platinum member, free nan, you know? Yeah, that would be great if there was like a, a security screenshot of of my face. Yeah. But it just says, who is this man? We want to thank He's him. He's great. Like really small print <laughs> down the bottom. <laughs> Have you seen this man? Because yeah. he's great. <laughs> yeah. That's best case scenario. Yeah. But yeah, that was... Um... Was there a part of you in the moment in which you're screaming, what the fuck are you doing at this guy that yeah. in your head was like, I'm just making this worse. Like now I'm I'm also a person screaming at another person in the restaurant. Yeah. Yes. There was there was that. Um, like and halfway like I said, through, were you like, do I keep up with this? Do I need a different tack? Is this yeah, working? I, I was I was thinking about it later. Like, what? I don't know what I was hoping to achieve there because I wasn't going to like manhandle this guy because that probably would have escalated things. But yeah. there was a little bit. Casper and I were talking about this after. There was a little. And it's probably not. Um, there was a little bit of like, like white guilt in some way. Like I felt like we were like the white guys there, and then this guy was white, and all the staff were like. Indian and I was just like, ah, you're making it really shit for us. Where you, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he was being necessarily racist, but that was like something that was swelling in my head. Yeah, was the uh, the dad like embarrassed? Was he trying to do anything for this kid? How come it was going off for so long? Uh, I don't know. It looked like he he was aware of that there was a problem, and then he looked like he um like got this guy out. Before it kicked off, but then he just fucked off. Like he, he obviously just left his son there. If it was, oh, son. so the dad wasn't there when the guy no. was mucking around outside. No, the dad oh. just fucked off. Um, which is, I mean, I don't know. This guy didn't look like he was. I mean, he was. He had. He looked like real. Like I saw. I I saw him before in the restaurant. I yeah. didn't take note of him, but he just looked like a guy that would be at a restaurant. Yeah. Um, yeah, but oh. pretty scary. Yeah, I'm a hero. Um, yeah, but uh, good food though. I got the um, I got the fish coconut curry. I did actually ask for the curry to be hot. This is before all this happened. Yeah, and they said no. Oh, which they were like, it they're comes not, as it comes. They're not a customizer. Yeah, no, which kind of pissed me off. But uh, I don't know what you're gonna do. I kind of uh, kind of just bottled up my feelings yeah like a real human exactly if you've got a problem just don't go back to the restaurant you know yeah anyway that's my story got a story no no i don't really it was one year since the uh march 15 shooting in christchurch yesterday i was gonna go to the uh memorial service but then my friend uh simon who works as a video journalist um he was down from auckland for the uh sort of the, a couple of days in the lead up to the event because there was going to be some various uh there was a friday prayer for the muslim community and then this thing on sunday that jacinda was going to be at um and he'd sort of said oh actually the muslim community doesn't really look backwards in that way they don't really memorialize loss that they, they sort of it's it's not a big deal for them. It doesn't. It's more for everyone else in the city, I guess, uh, than uh, something that they were actively sort of putting forward. Um, and sort so of the, the Friday, the Friday prayers was more when they would have addressed it. I think. 
that's weird having a kind of a vigil thing in the in the corona age well that's the thing it um in the end it got cancelled um oh. so they didn't they didn't hold it anyway but i'd sort of by that point decided well combination of corona plus um there had been a little bit of a swelling of um, white supremacist, you know, action in New Zealand in the months prior. They'd arrested oh. someone who was agitating a little bit, and so you know, a little bit of a thought of, well, you know, who knows? Maybe take the opportunity to try something again. Plus, you know, um, when I found out from Simon that it wasn't really a thing that was of huge significance to the actual affected community, I thought, ah, okay, I'll just give it a pass. And then yeah. in the end, it didn't go ahead anyway. Um, but it was interesting to think how how quickly that year had gone. Um, yeah. And how how unified. It, it was an interesting dynamic yesterday because I still went out like I wandered around for some lunch. And it was like this strange dynamic of simultaneously a, a sort of sense of community. I don't, I don't know whether this is just internal projection or whether it was actively, you know, out there and the other people I was encountering. But in the immediate aftermath of it a year ago, there was definitely a sense of Christchurch coming together to both protect in that community and mourn for it and to say this is not actually who we are or who we want to be as a country. And I felt a little bit of that yesterday again, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're still a city that's come together multiple times over the years with the quakes and everything as well. Um, and... Yet simultaneously, there's also this like <laughs> creeping pandemic. So it was a simultaneous feeling of like, we're all coming together, but at the same time, don't get too close to anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know what, what it feels like over there yet. It, we, we, I don't think either Australia or New Zealand have really been properly beset by too much um, no. in, in the way of cases yet. But watching this all sort of play out internationally with all the sport and entertainment stuff shutting down, late night shows yeah. going off, you know, New Zealand has mandated a 14-day self-isolation for any international traveller arriving in New Zealand. So anyone yeah. who gets here has to go self-isolate for two weeks. So is Australia. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's preventive, preventative action to stop it really getting in, I think, is their goal because it's still relatively minor here. Yeah. Um, but the, um, I saw someone today describe it kind of as, um, feeling like that week between Christmas and New Year's where like a lot of stuff is shut down and you've got all this kind of weird, like limbo days where no one's really on holiday, but everyone's not in the normal schedules. And, and I'm interested to see whether or not both of our countries, can kind of avoid that or whether we too will enter this period in which everything shuts down for a bit. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, I don't know about there, but there's nothing really left on the shelves. Um, that's non perishable really at your supermarkets. Yeah. Really? Now yeah. ours have not, ours are still very well stocked. Oh, really? Yeah. I, had to, I had to line up, I had to line up to get into a supermarket. There was a queue Really? Yeah. I Are mean, they minimizing the number of people in there at once? Yes, they were. Um, but then we went in there. It was it was a Whole Foods thing. So it was like, you know, uh, it's one of those. It was still a supermarket, but it was like a Whole Foods thing. Um, 
organic store that Emma wanted to go get some sourdough yeast, actually. Hmm. Um, so we lined up to go in there for about 10 minutes, and then they had nothing in there. Um, <laughs> they didn't tell us that at the start of the line. But, um, yeah, I got uh, I went out for ramen the other day. They took my temperature before they went in. How? Before I went in. They had one of those um, temperature checkers. Yeah, but there are so many different ways. So they shove forehead. a thing in your ear, forehead. They shoved it. No, they shoved it in my ass. They they touched it on my forehead or something. <laughs> Wait, so in your ass and then on your forehead. That's that yeah. seems unhygienic. Yeah, um, um, I was. I didn't have any questions. <laughs> like, hey man, do what you got to do. Yeah, um, but that was interesting. Getting temperature checked. Yeah, I didn't realize the supermarkets were so. Uh, like, have you been to a um, like a Woolworths? Yeah, all the pasta's gone, huh. except except the gluten free pasta, which is funny that people would rather die than starve eat the than GFP. eat, eat yeah. gluten free. Um, but bread's gone, eggs are gone. Woolworths are shutting on Wednesdays. On Wednesday now, they're just shutting. All on Wednesday Woolworths. night. Yeah. Across the so they can Shutting. restock. Oh, okay. Interesting. I saw that yeah. they've introduced an a, like a safety hour for old people and um the infirm so that they yeah. can get some stuff without being swarmed out. That makes yeah. sense. Um the uh one other thing while we're on the topic of the uh the Ronnie V. Um I don't know if people are familiar with uh, the software called Folding at Home. Does that mean anything to you? No. Folding at Home is a distributed computer um, processing network. It's what uh, is uh, like SETI. Do you know SETI? Yeah, um, search how... for extra extraterrestrial. Yeah, SETI at Home was... was that program that you could put on your computer. It would like scan parts of the sky and look for habitable planets. Did you ever... Oh, what? You no. ever hear about that? Oh, it was very no. big in the early thousands. Whole idea of this software is basically there are things which take lots of computer cycles, right? CPU power, processing power, GPU power yep. to uh, just scan data. And you can have like supercomputer farms and that's very expensive um, and research organizations and universities and that sort of thing don't necessarily have unlimited research power. Um, or, or, or access to these um, computing networks. So there's this software um, called Folding at Home, um, yeah. which basically uh, diversifies and, and disseminates that processing out into the background for computers around the world. So you can basically donate your computer's processing speed when it's not being used to chug away and solve whatever you know research needs to be processed in SETI's case that was taking images of you know satellite images and and scanning them for relevant um, indicators that there might be a planet there or something like that folding at home was specifically set up to do things like model proteins that might prove useful as um, you know like cancer related uh, vaccines and that sort of stuff Um, but what they've just put out uh, at folding at home and uh, there's this thing called Rosetta at home, which is the same kind of thing. They have uploaded coronavirus um, related projects to these sites. So if you are interested in helping out, you can download a little piece of software on your computer and enable it 
to run in the background when you're not using it. And it will then take this um, project file and basically model the proteins and the, um, the vaccine shape and that sort of stuff and try and find potential vaccine solutions or help uh, scientists locate sites that might be you know susceptible to manipulation this kind of thing all automatically all in the background and the project has already found um uh, i think there was one solution that rosetta at home found um that has proven useful in the search for the coronavirus um, vaccine and cure it's really cool cool do they are they do they have any idea about um do they have any leads on a vaccine at all? I think it'll still take, you know, a couple of years for it to happen. Um, I think one of the things with the vaccine is actually not finding something that'll kill the virus. It's finding something that'll kill the virus and then not kill the person. <laughs> so okay. that's what takes a lot of that time, that lag time in in bringing it to market is making sure that there are no potential interactions with the human body or with other, you know, parts of your system that cause as many problems as it cures. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so the the Rosetta stuff's really interesting. I, I don't have the... Maybe I should just bring it up quickly. I'll see if I can find that um, article. Yeah. We're happy to report the Rosetta molecular modeling suite was recently used to accurately predict the atomic scale structure of an important coronavirus protein weeks before it could be measured in the lab. Knowledge gained from studying this viral protein is now being used to guide the design of novel vaccines and antiviral drugs. So it's already having um, positive implications. Um, So I would encourage anyone out there, you don't even have to be technologically literate, but if you've got a decent PC or a Mac, um, jump onto Folding at Home or Rosetta at Home and and grab the software and donate some of your spare computing power to help fight and create a vaccine and get credit for it if if your computer's the one that does the crunching that finds the cure. You'll get get to be the person. They'll, They'll give you that. It's it's funny this thing how it's escalated, isn't it? I mean, the first one we did four weeks ago, the the episode when we did, we, you, you were asking if if I was worried about it and stuff, and I was so like flippant about it then, and then like it's just rapidly escalated over the last week, especially, and like even the last pod that we did a couple of weeks ago talking about it, it's just like it's proper now. Like Emma's Emma's birthday's in a couple of weeks. Her parents were gonna fly down from from Scotland and stuff. Now they they can't do that and we had flights booked out of um Italy this year in September September and it's like the whole we're gonna go back to Europe for a wedding and stuff and we're just like, Yeah don't know. Don't know yeah. what we're gonna do. Ma- it's like <clears throat> Sorry. You go. I was saying last week that, or last episode, that Mark's girlfriend was kind of unsure and, uh, yeah. you know, potentially staying in the house. Well, now because New Zealand's put this thing where when you come in, you have to self-isolate for 14 days, that effectively kills that trip. So, you know, after all the, the ups Wait, and downs. Wait, so is and, she, is she, has, she hasn't gone on the trip yet? No, she hasn't left yet. It would oh, be okay. in a couple of weeks. But if oh. she was to come, she'd have to sit in a room by herself for two weeks anyway. Um, so it's just not, it's not worth it i think it won't happen um yeah so my my sister um actually got sent home from work today um she lives in here in melbourne 
she got sent home from work because um, she had a cough. Mm. And the, there was like no chances to get to the doctor now. She went to the doctor. The doctor was like, we can't really test for coronavirus here, but you should, you need to, it's like some test that you can sign up for to, to, to do, but you really need to self-isolate now. So I think um, I was working from home today. Ben got sent, my brother got sent home from work today. Everyone's working from home. The internet was super slow. I'm actually pretty surprised at how yeah, we're doing okay, well it's holding up. Um, yeah, that's proper. It's, everything's stopped. Everything's, it's so weird. I've never seen anything like this happen in my lifetime. The interesting thing as well that some of the data that's come out, you know, people have been saying for a while now, it's not really affecting the young. It's not really affecting 20 to 29s. But some of the data is showing now that they are still infected in fact infected at higher quantities perhaps than some of the older generations because they're active they're out and about they're going places they're in crowds and clubs and restaurants and that sort of stuff but they don't know about it because it doesn't present with symptoms immediately Um, so there's been this big kind of you know push telling people go home stay home right and this is particularly the case over in america where they've got real fucking crisis on their hands because trump is so incompetent but um, even here, I think we're going to see more and more people saying, just don't don't go out because you might not know that you have it. And even if you're fine, you're at risk, you know, sharing it to other more vulnerable or immunocompromised people. And yeah. <laughs> that's a hard thing to sort of tell. It is. Tell 20-somethings that just because you don't see any symptoms, you have to, for the good of society... <laughs> make a minor sacrifice yeah i was out getting a coffee this morning and uh i was coming back and there was a runner coming from the side street and just as he passed just as just as we kind of almost crossed he sneezed kept running and i walked straight into a sneeze mm. and i was like fuck you man yeah i mean it's probably just hay fever but yeah i was like God, it's so everyone's so hyper aware. Yeah, now all of a sudden you realize how Germs gross now. all of society is as well. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> why did we do this? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. um, I saw uh, someone tweet something along the lines of, you know, hundred years ago, eighty years ago, what was asked of people our age was to go overseas and and fire at children and then die in a ditch right and yeah. what is being asked about noble sacrifice currently is to stay home and watch netflix for a bit yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard a sacrifice well it is kind of well okay. i mean it's not it's not comparable yeah but it is it's pretty it's not have you seen those scenes of like but it's like come on what are you really missing out on here <laughs> yeah i'm sure some people are stoked about it have you seen those scenes of people in like Milan and stuff? They're out in their terraces, like all the neighbors. They're all in, yeah. in quarantine, but they're all singing songs with each yeah. other and stuff. And <laughs> that stuff's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had an idea that we could, we could basically map out our music musical path in terms of taste. Where how we because we have a we have a you and I have a similar-ish taste in music, but I'm interested to hear like where you're started from, like the first from the first band 
right through to now, and who who are the, who are the big players and the big influences or the the big the big guys for you? Yeah, in your life, I think it's interesting as well. I don't want to jump to the end, but I think that well, I would, I don't want to spoil it, but I, I'm I'm very curious to know how close you think our musical tastes are. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, what do you mean? Currently, I'm just curious as to how how much do you think our tastes actually overlap? Uh, not that much. Yeah, actually, I think that's increasingly true. I think there was a period in which our uh, train tracks were sort of on the same path for a while. I think it was just Radiohead. It was like Radiohead because they're like they're probably both of our favorite bands. So that's like that's yeah, it underpins everything. But I think there was also you know through the late thousands and the first half of the tens i think we were seeing a lot of like gigs and bands at at the same time we're going to live shows and i think that overlap was more the case but i think at now nowadays we've sort of headed off in different different tangents again but again we'll we'll get to that i suppose well why don't you you kick us off yeah all right well the first i've got a pretty obsessive personality what Um, You done? Well, it's done for quite a while. I've got a pretty obsessive personality. <laughs> okay. Um, so my first like obsession was Michael Jackson. I was like, I bought my parents. I think I was probably six or seven. My I remember distinctly my parents giving Ben and I both twenty dollars each. It was probably back then. It was ten dollars each, and they said you can buy any CD that you want. And I bought Michael Jackson's Greatest Hits, which is a double CD. had like 32,000 songs on it. And Ben bought John Farnham. Um, and Why? So uh, I think what, he was trying to impress to... my parents. No. Because <laughs> he, was, he was like, hey, what do you think? I like John Farnham. At what, um, age five? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. The My question before you get too much further is, did you buy this randomly or did you know before this point who Michael Jackson was? Like, how did you know to get this? Was this just a random pluck off the shelf? I can't remember. I don't think it would have been. I think I would have known. I think I would have recognized. Maybe heard on the radio a little bit or something. Maybe. Maybe I just knew the name. Who knows? Yeah. But I I like just knew that that album inside and out would just like thrash it. And I got obsessed with Michael Jackson would, would, would hire his um, music videos when I went to Blockbuster and stuff and, like, copy all you the moves. You could hire a music video. Yeah. Well, you could hire Michael Jackson, like, movies, but there would be... It would be like... A, he used to do these movies that were compiled of, like, music videos. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And you'd do the moves. Do the moves. You've probably seen me do the moves a few times. <laughs> See that head movement? Yeah. Just makes me, yeah, makes my neck feel sore. Yeah, my neck. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was that. I used to like dance. I used to like do like a Michael Jackson dance at like assembly sometimes. I was like the Michael Jackson guy. I used to have like, who a hat. Was, were you volunteering? Yeah, or were like, they like, like okay, we've got a spare five minutes. Um, yeah. Michael, you got that glove? <laughs> yeah, it was a time filler. Um <laughs> Embarrassingly, I did that in high school. Actually, 
I did a few Michael Jackson uh, performances in high school. I don't, I at, don't know. at assemblies. It was like assembly. Yeah, it was like kind of like assemblies. Or like music yeah. concerts. Uh, no, it was like a, at assemblies. Like prayer. Like a, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> the chaplain was doing the prayer. You would just get up and silently moonwalk behind him. I think it would be sometimes we'd we'd be like have to get into like teams like how, our house teams, and they'd be like. You have to come up with like a skit or a performance, and I'll be like, "I'll do Michael Jackson. I'll be Michael Jackson." Right. And they'll be like, "You did that last year," and I'm like, "I know." There's new and songs. Be like, maybe something else, and I'm like, "How about Michael Jackson?" Why well, mess then... with something that ain't broken? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so that that never really went away. Michael Jackson still hasn't. I uh, don't know if I believe the. Uh, I don't believe, He's I believe still alive. That, all that hoo ha. He's still I out don't there. Know. Um, no, not about his death. <laughs> you don't believe he's dead, or you do believe he's dead, just he's not dead. that he was like. Yeah. A bit of the older. Uh, pedophile. Yeah. yeah, the old, the old PD. But I, I don't know. I, don't I think you let your um, lifelong love for this man color your impression. I know. I know, I probably am. Um, all right, so after Michael Jackson, I, then I then I got. That was the first one. The second one was probably Savage Garden. This is mm-hmm. a bit embarrassing. This one mm-hmm. got big. What is that face? Don't that no, is that no, is smug? I, that, I'm okay. I don't want to spoil myself, but that was me Did nodding. I had oh, yeah, I had the oh, Savage yeah? Garden um, debut album. Yeah, affirmation. Is that what it's called? I believe in the a song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the song or the album though? What was the That's album the called? song. Maybe it was called Affirmation. Maybe, maybe it's just called Savage Garden. I think the first one was just self-titled. Yeah. Uh, oh, pff, I mean, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, uh, Savage Garden was a big one. I remember my dad being annoyed when I stopped. When I think I realized that they weren't cool, and I was like, I don't like Savage Garden anymore. And then you switched to Natalie like, Brulia. Then I switched to Natalie. Um, and then Cole, uh, then I was really into Coldplay for a big, that uh, Coldplay were Wasn't a Travis, band. Did you do Travis first or after so Coldplay? It was Coldplay. I remember I got, I think it was from the library cause I used to go to the only library and you could, you could just get CDs there. And then I realized that you could just burn them at home and, and you had, and then I was like, how is this legal? I mean, it probably wasn't legal. But I was like, how is anyone allowing me to do this? It's like, I'm just going to burn everything. Yeah. And so it was Coldplay. I got parachutes that blew my mind at the time. Uh, and then from that, it was like all this Brit, Brit pop stuff, which was like Travis, Keen, The Verve. Never Oasis. Always hated Oasis for some reason. Still do. Wow. Don't like their attitude. Okay. Let me give you a scenario. You're at a wedding exclusively with white people nice. and it's towards the end of the night you know everyone's on the dance floor they've done the dance you're you know maybe one or two drinks in and you know it's 11 30 at night you're halfway through your second beer and a bit of wonder wall comes on yeah are you getting on the dance floor are you singing along no. are you gonna sit down no. what if you're no. on the dance floor no i'm if- gonna leave you're on the dance floor, oh. it comes on, you go and sit down. This you don't even sort before. of kind of nod your way along. 
Well, it depends. Wait it out, see what comes next. I wouldn't really do that. I really hate Oasis. Okay. And I, I, I would probably let everyone know. I want, I want everyone to know that I hate Oasis. You want them to. So I'd probably, I'd probably leave in a huff, to be honest. Okay. You take the opportunity to go get, you know, a third. My th- <laughs> yeah, my third beer by eleven thirty. Um. If I could even make it to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, went through massive Britpop. Britpop was defining. Also, Coldplay was massive. That was the era as well. Like that was that wasn't just yeah. you. That was a wave that was f- flooding through all of the all of music at that time. Was that is that right? Yeah, I I think that that was that wasn't just you stumbling across something okay. unknown. You know, I think like Coldplay did hit big then. That was top of yeah. the charts in a way that like it defined pop music for a while. But Brit, like Travis had come out with "Why Does It Always Rain on Me" and stuff. That was that was that predates. That was probably like ten years before. So, the Britpop wave probably started around like ninety six or ninety seven. Well, then... I mean, yeah, that was when sort of OK Computer and stuff came out as well. So there was, uh, yeah. you know, that I guess international attention on that scene, maybe. Yeah. Did what you did? Parachutes come out? Would that be two? Th- I'm going to guess two thousand ninety nine, maybe two thousand. Yep. Uh, and once you do yours, I'm going to. I want to talk to you a little bit about Coldplay as well because they, there's such an interest, such a weird relationship with them. It's yeah. So like, anyway. So then there was still that. Not returning Chris's calls. Uh, he was on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm the other night. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, as himself. As himself. Um, do you you don't watch Curb? I don't. Fuck. I've seen Curb. some Curb, but no. Um, he, he's he's Larry David has, is like basically making fun of him. He's like Chris Martin's like I'm gonna go play in a few in a few minutes. Can you, you want to stick around for the performance? And then Larry David's like Nah. <laughs> anyway, good impression that one. Yeah. Um, and then, so after the Britpop... Isn't thing, he that, actually related to Bernie Sanders? Yeah, I think he is. It's kind and of he's crazy. playing him on, on I SNL. Know. It's awesome. Yeah. So the Britpop, um, I was probably around 14, 15, 16. Then I hit, then I found Radiohead. So I was probably, uh, yeah, start of year 12, maybe the end of year 11. So one of Ben's friends... Had like a burnt copy of the Benz. No, OK Computer. And I remember listening to OK Computer and just being like, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Rinsing that and then becoming obsessed. Then by, like, did you ever download on LimeWire? Oh, yeah. Just going to LimeWire, typing in Radiohead, and then downloading <laughs> every everything. Track. Yeah. Everything, the bootlegs, the whatevers. Yeah. Um, half the stuff which was viruses, half the stuff which was mislabeled other bands. Yeah, yep. <laughs> a lot of a lot of those. Yeah, um, I remember there was a I had like a Triple J CD thing. They had everything Hottest in its right place. Oh right, yeah. It might have been. I don't know what it was. I can't imagine. It might have been the two thousand and one Hottest One Hundred or something like that. I can't imagine everything in its right place making it on there. But I don't know. Uh, I remember hearing that and not. That was my first introduction to electronic music. Um, that's the sound of those keys were the warmest thing I've ever heard in my life. 
at that point. Yeah. Everything in its right place, 42. Triple really? J's Hottest 100, 2000. And there's a couple of, um, I, I typed 2001, um, and there's a couple of uh, Amnesiac ones on there as well. That is crazy to think about now. You'd never get that now. What do you reckon? Who do you reckon had a higher number on the Triple J's Hottest 100 of the year 2000? Uh, Coldplay or Radiohead? What was Coldplay's song? No, you tell me first and then I'll tell you. 2001? This is 2000. Mm, I reckon it's probably In My Place or Don't Panic. Uh, so, Radiohead, oh, 42, oh. everything in its right place. Coldplay, number five with yellow. Coldplay, yellow, number oh. five on the Triple J Hottest 100. Wow. Yeah, times have changed. Yeah. They'd never allow that now. But this is the thing about Coldplay. Coldplay were good. Yeah, I mean, well, they... Shiver is at, they, in 63 as well. There's two Coldplay songs on that. Crazy. They didn't have the... Uh, they. I, I don't know. I don't really understand this this negativity. What do you think it is? Should we, uh, should we save this? We'll come back to Coldplay yeah, at okay, the end. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So I probably should speed up this thing. That's so good. Radiohead... Um, then through Radiohead, it was the Smiths. Okay. Got obsessed with the Smiths because they did a cover of Headmaster Ritual, um, on those basement sessions. I was just weirdly, I'm not very familiar with the Smiths at all. And weirdly, I ended up today, uh, watching a video, which I think was on the official Smiths YouTube channel. Um, is it a real song? Something about girlfriend in a coma or something like that. Is that a real song? Girlfriend in a coma, I know, I know, it's serious. Yeah. Is that a real song? Yeah. That was like on an album that they put out? Yeah. Wow. I think that Morrissey's trying to be a bit funny. Okay. I wasn't sure how to take it. I don't think he's uh, ever had a girlfriend in his life. (laughs) Not Um, after that. Sounds like he did it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He's got a weird relationship with women, actually, Morrissey. He calls them fatties and stuff. It's in his songs. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so The Smiths and then um, Air. So the big Air was still me, in your teens or was that in your 20s? Uh, Air, I was introduced to Air by Peter Thompson at the cinema. Yeah. He was like, you should listen to this uh, electronic French band called Air. Uh, and then I listened to Moon Safari, and I was like, "That." A couple of these bands: Michael Jackson, um, Coldplay, Radiohead, and Air are the four. I don't know how many I just counted. Then four <laughs> bands: uh, Michael Jackson, Radiohead, Coldplay, and Air. I don't yeah. know how many that is, but uh, well, I forgot. Uh, I couldn't remember how many I said. There were the four. That's when it, that's when my taste like changed trajectory. I can't say. Each of those were sort of um, ten yeah. poles, like pivot Game points. Changes. And what did Air push you towards? Air pushed me towards like chill electronic sort of house music, more like electronic music. How? No, not house. Um, where does jazz come into all this? Jazz is just sitting underneath all of this the whole time. Like, were from you was, playing from... jazz through all this, or yeah. listening to it? But never at a point where it was like this has 
radically affected everything else I'm listening to. Never at a point where I'm like listening to like one jazz artist like exclusively, like I would of all these other bands. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, what where? What was your most recent discovery or pivot point? Then, what's what's been the most recent uh, big big obsession? The most recent big obsession. Um, Something that's that's changed what you've been into or listening to. Oh, um, can I throw a potential suggestion? Yeah. I feel like you listen to a lot of film scores and I yeah, wonder I whether that's come along sort of either because of working at the cinema or subsequent to that. But uh, like you seem to listen to orchestral soundtrack kind of stuff more than you once did. Uh, I think that probably when I, when I saw There'll Be Blood, I went and saw There'll Be Blood at the cinema only because... Johnny Greenwood, I knew that Johnny Greenwood was the uh, composer. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know what this film is. I don't know who Paul Thomas Anderson was. I don't know what Dana DeLewis is. I was going to see this because of Loved Johnny Paul Greenwood. Loved Paul Dano, yeah. Loved Paul Dano, though. Uh, big, yeah. That was probably like one of his breakthrough roles, that one. And that film score is... I went there to pay attention to the film score because I was so in love with Radiohead. And then hearing that score put to the film, which was visually so... Um, uh, Gripping. Yeah. I don't know. There's not even a word that covers it. That that was like, I'm well, film scores are a thing that I can listen to now independently of the film. Yeah. Um, um, and then like searching composers like John Bryan and stuff like the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind score. Yeah. Um, I used to get stoned a lot though back then, and it would it would be more fun to listen to scores when I was like walking around the city of Adelaide stoned. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I always had like a bit of a um a preference for like the chill the the more like chiller kind of sounds. Yeah, chiller sounding things. Yeah, um, rather than anything like abrasive. Yeah. Or Rocky. Rocky, yucky. You've liked some Rocky songs, but only if yeah. they're from bands that you already like. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's 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 uh, let's flip flip the switch, flip the table, flip the, flip the anal. <laughs> let's flip the anal. Let's flip the anal. Uh, okay. First CD I ever owned was a present, and... It was Hanson. I don't know if I'd explicitly asked. I think I probably did explicitly ask for it. It was a birthday Mm. present. Mm. Um, I went through like a boy band phase, I think, in like the early 90s. So Mm. that was one of them. There was one called Five. Oh, Five Uh, will let you get down. I love that song. It was very good. Yeah. for the time uh i don't think i ever did like nsync or anything but there was just like that was sort of my first sort of i guess the first things that were mine that i owned my sister was into music more at that age i think than i was she was all in the spice world kind of zone at that time and and that kind of thing and i hadn't really 
got into that i don't think i don't know what i was doing or listening to maybe it was like i was more interested in games and that sort of stuff at that time rather than music um this is when i was like i don't know five six seven something like that and then gradually i think i became more aware of the stuff that my dad was listening to um oh yeah because you would have had your dad like so your dad the whole time was showing you the ropes a little bit a little bit i i it's hard for me to remember explicitly i think some of the first exposure i had to a lot of different bands was uh, my dad had a vineyard in narracourt and sort of three hours out of adelaide in south australia um, and we would often go down there on the school holidays and um, do work on the vines and check out the the growth of all the grapes and that sort of stuff and that was a three-hour drive which for a child is fucking eternity right yeah so sometimes we'd have one of those little portable dvd players um and other times you know dad would just put music on in the car and we'd just listen to it and that i'm pretty sure is the first time and place that i listened to okay computer is because dad had a cd Uh. of it and was putting it on the car and you know you're a kid you don't have any control over it so you're just listening to this music yeah. Same with Kid A, I think, as well. Um, but that's probably jumping ahead a little bit. So so early, so mid-90s, I was kind of in um, that sort of boy bandy group and then a little bit of the, like, Savage Garden. Mum would listen to Natalie and Brulia, that sort of thing. So yeah. a little bit of the Australiana stuff. I think yeah. at the end of that decade, that's when stuff like Powderfinger and Silverchair were coming through a little bit, either late nineties yeah. or early thousands, and you'd hear that on the yeah, radio. They were, they were Silverchair and Powderfinger probably uh, headed up the Triple J Hottest One Hundreds back then. Yeah, they were the top of the um, the two thousand one. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was sort of the nineties, and also if you're in the car with mum on the way to school and stuff, it was just like SAFM or. I think Nova came yep. in at that sort of time. So it was kind of whatever was the, the pop music of that era. Then around yep. that time when I probably got to like the early thousands, um, that's when sort of Coldplay came out. I um, listened to Parachutes a lot. Again, that was one of the albums that my dad would put on in the car and we'd hear a bit. I also had... Um, some like close family friends they were triple j people and our family wasn't triple j and so they would have the cds of the hottest 100 and they'd they'd put that on and that was like hearing music that i'd never heard before um Uh, so and stuff that i don't think i really liked um yeah but you know some often when you encounter new music for the first time you're like yeah this doesn't yeah yeah, this doesn't taste like what i like i remember here i remember seeing the video clip for yellow um, before I even know, knew who Coldplay were. And when you hear, like you said, like if your parents are listening to like SAFM and stuff, it's all like quite polished, quite like um, pitch perfect kind of yeah. sound. And it's and the same like musical same formula, kind of right? Like it's yeah. A, B, A, B, bridge, another chorus, right? Yeah. Um, and then when I heard Chris Martin walking down the beach going like with his, kind of was kind of really rough around the edges and I wasn't used to it. Used yeah. to it. And I was like, who let this guy... Make a song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like the Triple J stuff as well. Like if when we went on family holidays together, our two families, whenever we were in their car, they'd have Triple J on. And sometimes it'd do that thing, be like language warning. And like the parents would like leave 
the radio on. They didn't care about it. And so we'd hear like swearing on the radio. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what? He said, he said the S word on the radio. Uh, so, you know. What was that, the S word? Slut. Nice. Um, no, it was probably shit. Um, the, uh, uh, so then early thousands, when it's, when I think I started to actually have my own tastes, that's when the internet had kicked in a little bit, when LimeWire was just starting to come up, when we had laptops at school. So you could like have your own digital music library that was separate to like the home PC. It was home different to your CD collection, that kind of stuff. Um, and that was when you sort of had access to so much more right yeah um and so that was the era in which my dad had got a copy of okay computer from his work business partner's son who'd burnt like a a copy for it who's probably like five years older than i was and handed it over and said hey you should try this and then we had a copy of kid a the same way that was this like terrible quality mp3 rips which i had burnt onto my computer for probably 15 years before going back and realizing that they were like 96 kilobyte um, per second, like terrible quality versions. And I genuinely, when I finally like bought that album again, or like did my own burn of, of a copy of the CD that I think that I had legitimately at that time. Yeah. um, I discovered that the MP3 version of kid a I had was so bad that there were skips in the in the track which i thought were just musical choices i thought that um uh optimistic like 20 seconds in would just and then skip forward like dude that's so weird optimistic i remember distinctly optimistic skipped for me as well and then it would jump to like the first verse um, and I was like, that's, oh, that's just like, it's this weird kind of off kilter thing. And then I listened back to the, like the real album for the first time at good quality. And I was like, holy shit, there's so much more in this than I thought there was, including yeah. like the bonus track at the very end, like a, a minute after a motion picture soundtrack, like the music, like the droning stuff comes back in. I was like, what the fuck? How can I have listened to this album for 15 years and now feel like I'm listening to it for the first time? Um, yeah. So that that sort of when I was like going down to the um, to Narracourt with my dad and listening to this kind of music and and actually starting to get the taste for it that was pretty like formative. Um, the other thing which was happening simultaneous along this was I was playing violin from age five, so part of that was having to do like Suzuki kind of classical violin pieces and that sort of stuff. None of which I really enjoyed. Um, but then in middle school, I decided I wanted to learn piano. Um, and this was probably, uh, I guess, 2000, 2001, I started. Um, yeah. And after learning the basics and finding that a, a, a lot easier to pick up um, compared to violin where, you know, you had to put your finger in the right place and do a whole combination of bowing and things to actually make it sound even remotely nice when I was learning piano, it was like all in a row and I could read music already. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, this is so easy. Why did I do it in this order? (laughs) If it started with piano and gone back to violin, that would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, But I ended up with a piano teacher who was real um, jazz focused and real sight read focused. And I didn't want to do exams. I never did music exams. 
Um, but because of that, finally, I broke free of like the classical kind of uh, teaching stuff that I was having to do and yeah. was able to pick up a little bit more of the enjoyment of playing that music. Um, but that kind of underpinning, particularly the string stuff, because I was in orchestras and things at school, meant that I had more of a taste for, I suppose, the classical and the string side of things, um, which will sort of come to play later. Um, so that's interesting that you developed like an appreciation for it, despite the fact that you didn't really want to play the violin. Is that, am I, I, that correctly? Yeah, I, I, I did like playing the violin, but it was so much more effort, you know, like doing practice for violin was always like, oh, you know, set this thing up and then play music that I didn't really care about for a teacher who didn't really get that I wasn't interested in it to be like, a, you know, yeah. to get to do an exam for it and, and get like an accreditation for my skills on it. But and there's the, nothing worse than listening to someone practice violin. Yeah, exactly. Um and the uh, the string orchestra and the chamber orchestra stuff in, in high school was a lot better because you were playing stuff like um, a little bit more pop hits or a little bit more variants on it. So um, like we did Eleanor Rigby and some Beatles tunes and that sort of stuff. You're like, okay, this is cool. And um, like we did the Lord of the Rings soundtrack and that sort of stuff. You're like, okay, like there is other music outside of just, um, you know, bark. Um, mm. <laughs> so... That was that was sort of an underpinning. I think the next sort of big... So I hit Coldplay. I did exactly what, everything you said, which was, you know, LimeWire, downloading every track you could. Um, that was sort of simultaneous to Radiohead coming up. I think Hell to the Thief was 2003, and that was when I... Uh, 2004, I think, was when I started... I took my learner's test and after I could drive, I got a car. And so then I could put music in my car that I wanted to listen to. And I just hammered Hell to the Thief like over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, And so that was sort of associated with like, again, coming into my own tastes and like a sense of (laughs) adulthood freedom in a really sort of compelling way. There was another band in sort of the early thousands that I was surprisingly into that um, (laughs) if you go and listen to, might surprise you. Um, But it was a band called Dredge, D-R-E-D-G. I remember you talking about them at the time. And they, as it turned, they were California based, I think, basically alternative rock slash verging on metal, like quite aggressive prog rocky kind of sound. And I found um, some songs. I found I found them in the most nerdy way possible, which is I think someone had made a, a video game trailer and just stuck this song underneath it. And I've listened to it. I like the game. And so I went and found the album. And then yeah. I listened to this band through, you know, five subsequent albums that came out. And they, yeah, they were really quite different to everything else I was listening to at the time. Um, but that was quite as I said, quite hard in a way that was different to my other sort of musical experiences. Um, yeah. And I think I enjoyed that. I think in year 10 or something, we had a um, an assignment where you had to juxtapose, juxtapose two pieces of media together. You had to find like a poem and compare it with a song, like the lyrics of a song or 
compare two songs to each other and ex- like do a, a literary criticism of them and their themes and comparisons and that sort of stuff. And I did yeah. a Dredge song and uh, a, great, a Coldplay song, I think, <laughs> back to back um, in year 10, which was um, potentially not to everyone else's taste in the <laughs> in the, the class when you had to play the <laughs> excerpts and then explain the lyrical similarities. Um, but yes. Yeah, this uh, is what this Coldplay song means to me yeah um, shut up nick other people were playing rap songs and you know cool music yeah. but i was i was unafraid you were uh, like i'm about to school these bitches yeah in school and i won um and then sort of i think my next big one would have been because in that era as well at school when people had laptops and the you know computer revolution was kicking off with the ipod and everything MP3s were flying wildly everywhere and you'd have like just masses of music that people would download into their libraries and just, you know, um, taste test effectively. And at that point, one of my friends, Kingsley, gave me a track uh, by Andrew Bird, which I loved. And then like a year later thought, I wonder if this Andrew Bird has any other songs other than this first song. (laughs) And so I went and found... um, I think that was Armchair Apocrypha at that time. And that, as I said, because I'd already had this kind of classical and violin background, I found someone who played violin in a way that wasn't classical, but that was actually, you know, uh, almost pop or alt-indie kind of flavour to it. And that kind of broke my brain a little bit. I was like, how can he take this instrument, which I've been taught is a classical instrument, which, which... sits in the background and Eleanor Rigby, like, chug, 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 just (laughs) that's the only way in which they can be used um, in a pop music sense. And then discovering that you could actually do so much more with it, that was really kind of eye-opening for me. And that's why I fell so hard for Andrew Bird because he's a fucking maestro, but his musical sense is not classical. Um, And that, that was one of those core kind of, discoveries i think that was uh, a real uh revelation both in terms of what i was interested in and also what musically as i was coming into the end of high school and doing a composition and arrangement stage two kind of course that's what really influenced some of my early songwriting stuff as well so you were listening to andrew bird when you were in high school yeah right at the very end it would have been yeah uh, basically year 12 year 11 or 12 yeah um, and then sort of next, next, um, I'll, I'll rattle through because it hasn't changed too quickly beyond that. But at some point I discovered Sufjan in mostly the same way. I think I had one of the, yeah. the early tracks from, um, maybe I had Chicago, I think, and then did the same thing of like, I like this song. I wonder what this other guy did and really only kind of properly got into it when, um, I think in that intervening period between, Illinois and Age of Odds. It, Sufjan Stevens, I don't know how closely you followed him, but he basically went away for years and then he came back and he dropped this All Delighted People EP. And that was the first one where I was like ready for it, excited for new music. And then a week later after that came out, he's like, okay, by the way, that was the EP, but here's my new album. <laughs> and then dropped Age of Odds like uh, a week after that. So all of a sudden I was you know, swamped in new music and that was... That was a big sort of game changer. 
you can definitely see the and Andrew Bird and Sufjan Stevens in the music that are that you the music that you've made that you've ever shown me. Yes, yeah. clear like clearly those guys. Like there's there's a real one thing I couldn't like. I do like the the Sufjans, but I could never crack Bird. But one one thing that they share with your songwriting is this like there's like a complexity to there's like it's it's not necessarily chaotic but there's a complexity to them that the Andrew Bird to me is a tough listen um which is not like I like I like things that are tough listens um in my own like taste but the I, I part of me thinks that like I'm not like I just don't get it but there's a there's I always like kind of admire it as well. Like in even in your Christmas song, there's like there's some really interesting chord things that I could I could never think it would never occur to me to do those. Um, and I've seen you do that. I've heard you do that a couple of times. So I'm like, I think maybe I just like don't get it or something. But like I also really kind of am in awe of it a little bit. Well. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about Andrew Bird as well. Like, the, the fact that I think there's definitely a thing where, as someone who's played a bit of violin, I mean, anyone can look at a good violinist and be like, oh, they're doing a really good job. But if you've played violin and then you listen to a good yeah. violinist, you're like, this is fucking indescribably <laughs> impossible. How the fuck is he doing this? How is this even something that anyone can do? Because uh, his big thing, of course, is loop pedals and and often layering himself on top of things. And that yeah. requires a kind of galaxy brain thinking in terms of I'm laying down, you know, this part of a chord and then I'm going to go over it again, which sounds simplistic. But then it becomes like multi-tonal and, and it will use one thing and then slow it down 300% and drop that to like background noise and then go in a completely different chordal tonal direction on top of that and... Yeah, I just find it absolutely breathtaking to watch um, either live or to listen to in 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 like a album setting as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're probably right that maybe you don't get it in the sense that it, because it's so far removed from what you play or what you think in it, it maybe does. I mean, I, I feel the same thing in reverse. Like I listen to um, when you put chords together in, in your music. I'm like, I just, I don't know what keys to press to make the chords that you make. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it is just what you're familiar with, right? Because we're all kind yeah. of, we're all parroting other people's musical ideas. Yeah. Well, when I... Um... When, when I was learning, so I was learning sax throughout the whole of high school. That was my instrument. Um, that was the thing from like year six to year 12. Like I was heading towards performance because my dad was my music teacher. So that was, that was a given. I had to do that. But then dad would always be at staff meetings after school. So we'd finish, Ben and I would finish our school day and then we'd be waiting, waiting around for dad in the music department all to ourselves and we were like we got to kill like an hour and a half here so there was a piano and a drum kit so on the mm. side of our instruments we taught it ourselves how to play i was like oh well, i'll take the piano you take the drums and then that way we can just like make music together and then that'll kill 90 minutes yeah so we basically taught ourselves that but around that time i was like cold play i still do it now it's like like you said like the framework uh through which you think musically 
it's kind of it's kind of created by this language that you learn. Like I was just trying to like learn Coldplay songs, so a lot of my even to this day, and then it was like Radiohead. So a lot of my the things that are my instincts musically, I've just fallen back on those. Yeah. Well, I played like ways. I had you would go onto like. Um, Cordy and and other like online sites which were archives and transcriptions of pop music right and i'd just download like coldplay songs yeah or i'd get like the the books um and just play those tunes right so yeah, yeah i think it it's whatever trained you interestingly you know we both talked about radiohead kind of in passing like i really really fell into radiohead hard and by the time in rainbows came out you know first year of uni bright brand new world and this fucking incredible album drops like it it was i was gone you know i was never gonna <laughs> ever Wait, what one was it when in rainbows came out that was 07 that was the first year that we were out of uni uh, out of school was it um uh, and so seven yeah uh. i remember still listening to that album for the first time in like a dark room in um uh uh, like bedroom in a house that we were living in temporarily while our other house was being renovated we'd moved out um, and so I can still picture it and I finished it and then I just started it again straight away, got to the end. And, I was, and at some point, mum came in, she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, go away. I'm listening <laughs> to the new Radiohead album. That's, um, a, I, that's exactly how I listened to Radiohead for the, the, in Rainbows for the first time. I was in in a dark room yeah. during the day. Yeah. I think you probably linked it to me in your yeah, frenzy. It's, it's up, yeah. Yeah. And I just like to lay down on my bed and I was like, just going to listen to this. It's 3 p.m. And then as soon as it finished, I'm like, all right, guess yeah. we're doing it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's I think that's really the, the other interesting thing about all that is we talked about how Radiohead was the big one for us both. But I find it fucking impossible to write a Radiohead sounding song. I, I just can't do it. Maybe mm. I've come close once, but it doesn't seem to ever translate in what I'm actually composing like. I think that's it's too much of its own kind of magic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. That's obviously true. But I think, um, I think mel- melodically, like specifically, the like a Tom York melody, um, you could get close to. Well, yeah, not not get close to, but there's definitely been a few times where I've like played Ben a thing, and I'm like, I'm thinking this for the melody, and he's just like, that's just straight up Tom York. <laughs> um, you're just like copying Tom York, so it's like I think there is a yeah, you can't, you wouldn't want to. It's not like imitating them, but like yeah. there is a yeah, there is a Radiohead sounding well, thing. Well, that's yeah, that's probably the the most universal aspect of it though, right? Because instrumentation and arrangement and mixing wise, that yeah. they're doing stuff that I. I you know I don't have access to their crazy synths. I I don't know their computer programs. I don't have a um you know, Godrich to <laughs> add all this like audible shit around the corners that yeah just confuses me. But when you get right down to the like a baseline or I suppose a drum drum sort of pattern, maybe that's a little easier. Mm. Um, I remember just quickly on the I just remembered when you were saying about the um the Coldplay thing that I did in year twelve. I did a performance where I sung uh, Politic by Coldplay. Yeah. We'd have like a weekly mass every Wednesday. And I had stopped going to mass at that point. But I, but, um, I was like, I want to play this song. And I, I got a, a couple of guys together that were in the year below me. And I was like, let's play this Politic song. And I sung it. 
And I remember one of the, I was in music class with like maybe about five other, five or six other uh, kids. And one of the guys there who was the best in the class was like a real jazz guy. I remember him making a comment to me after, after I did that performance, like later that day in class. And he was like, what are the chords again? Uh, C dominant seven to F minor, and then back to. And he just like made a joke that it was like the most simple chords of all time. And I remember yeah. just being like gutted and like embarrassed. Yeah. And then some kid said to me at a party that I sounded nasally. Uh, story yeah. of your life. Um, there were two others which I'll throw out there briefly as well, um, just in references. Then we can jump back into Coldplay. But uh, there was a band Midlake which I found in sort of. Oh, yeah. I guess 2006 or seven, I think, end of high school. They were really um, sort of folky in a way that I hadn't got into before. And then there was this great group called Kashmir, which was a Danish band. Yeah. And I don't remember. I don't remember how. I think actually it was recommended to me by someone who knew I liked Radiohead and who also liked Radiohead and was like, hey, this isn't quite Radiohead, but if you give it a go, you might get something out of it. And my first yeah. listen, I was like, this isn't Radiohead. And I listened <laughs> to it again. I was like, this is still not Radiohead. And then I just kept listening to it. I was like, this is really good though. <laughs> so unlike you to keep listening to something after yeah. not liking it initially. Yeah. Um, and Patrick Watson? What about Patrick Watson? I don't think I've ever really been like a crazy Patrick Watson person, but I did sort of okay. properly get into Love Songs one. for Robots. And then, oh, yeah. yeah, Wave was really good. But that was, Love Song for Robots was the first one that I was like uh, giving a good hammering to. Yeah. Um, should we do a little Coldplay wrap-up? Yeah, sure. The problem with Coldplay... By Michael J. Zabrecki. You so, felt you felt uh, like you had a thesis on this. I, I just don't know. Like, I don't listen to them anymore. I tried to give that new album a crack that you sent to me. And I haven't listened to, like, the last... Like, what was... The last one I probably listened to was um, X and Y, I reckon. Oh, really? No, Viva, Viva La Vida. Vida. No, I, never, I didn't listen to the whole thing. That's oh. when I, like, started to fall off. Right. But they were so, like, formative um, for my, like, early taste. And I, had, I was, like, I really, really loved them. And they've since, like, I don't know if I was too worried about seeming cool that maybe I, like, kind of flipped them off or, I mean, maybe it was partly that. But then they've also, I mean, do you listen to them? They've, also, they've got this rap that I don't think is really deserved. But there's something about Coldplay that people hate that they didn't used to. People used to love Coldplay. I think it's Chris now Martin. They... I think it's specifically Chris Martin. Because I don't think, yeah, I don't think if, I mean, uh, what's one of the other, um, uh, uh, Berryman? Is that someone? Guy, Guy, Guy Berryman? Berryman? Yeah. The bass I think player. if you're like, oh, do you, uh, do you hate Guy Berryman? People would be like, I don't know who the fuck that is. You know, <laughs> like, I don't think any sort of, so what's hateable about Chris Martin? Oh, he's, you know, the whole Gwyneth Paltrow wankiness, you know, he's kind of that spiritual kind of semi-sexual but dorky old dad, you know, <laughs> named his kid Apple and all this. There was a lot of, like, celeb sort of crap yeah. around him, right? 
the fact that I, the fact that he was on curb your enthusiasm to be made fun of right like that's that's him right yeah but he's always he did extras and he was he's always made fun of himself i, I like i don't think man. that he's unaware of this at all yeah i know but that's the thing like sure if you're someone self-aware that's like then you're done I don't, I don't sure. see. I don't see him as that that unlikable. I think. I think it's they that they became like a stadium band. Like I, I think that's I think, part of it. I think it's even more. It's the fact that they were ambitious and they said, "I want to be the biggest band in the world," and then they actively set out to be pop music. Right? Uh, not not that yeah. they weren't always pop music, but to to be pop music to to be the representation of the inheritors of you too, you know, like they wanted to be big, right. In that real like stadium. But they also way. wanted to be Radiohead early on. Yeah. Probably, uh, probably early on. But I think, I think once they became like studio successful, right. And, and two, three successful albums under their belt. I think interesting, it's it's funny they say that the last one you probably listened to was X and Y, because that was famously middling reviews, right? That was off the back of Rush, to the Blood, Rush of Blood to the Head, which was, again, the, the big sophomore success. Everyone loved it in the same way they liked Parachutes. Huge anticipation over the big third album. And yeah. then it came out and people were like, ugh, ugh, what are you ugh, doing? Um, which they kind of got back again when um, Viva La Vida came by and and people were sort of on board with them but i think it's actually really interesting to go back to that album i don't know how recently you've listened to it viva no x and y i think that that's actually a surprisingly good album so do i i in a way it. that it just didn't match with people's expectations they i remember that they had a film clip for the hardest part that was the worst thing i mean apart from being a shit song yeah it was like the what the fuck is this yeah but they had like Speed of sound and yeah, fix speed you. of sound, which was immediately that was the like the label being like we need another clocks. Clocks was yeah. huge. That was remarkably close to clocks. Yeah, um, but, but which they, is quite I think maybe there's like an over sentimentality. Maybe is another reason why people yeah kind of hate them and because it's heart you know, on your once, sleeve kind of yeah. And once you've got like that, you got. They kind of had their foot in both camps there for a while. They had like Russia blood to the head. They were still like getting triple J, yeah, indie bullshit, whatever. Yeah. And then they became massive. And so the people that the people that thought that people that liked the kind of indie aspect or liked them being like their band or more of a rocky band, once they started to get more popular, they're like, oh well, it's like kind of they felt like traded. Like being yeah, any band which changes their sound on an audience that only liked one sort of taste from them is gonna. I mean, that's exactly how Radiohead lost half of their fans when they did Kid A, right? They they just left their old sound behind and eventually came back to it. But yeah, I can understand people being like three albums in or four albums in and feeling like, hey. This isn't what Coldplay sounds like. Coldplay is like acoustic guitar and sort of walking yeah. alone down a sandy beach. And now you're like doing <laughs> stadiums and um, talking like about love. a lot of like and, crowd like yeah. oohs and ahs. Yeah. And, and but like King, King deli- of Leon deliberately the same thing. Where like they, sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say deliberately singable. Like it feels like every mm. chorus is designed to have 
like a hook, right? It's 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 kind of. I think you 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 can smell the machinery a little bit. Yeah, um, and Kings of Leon had like a similar thing where they were adopted by like the Triple J kind of crowd, and then their next album was a stadium fist pumping, overly produced thing, and then that crowd was like, "Well, you're dead to us." Yeah, no, thank you. And they t- and they turned on Kings of Leon in a similar way that they did to Coldplay, I think. Mm. So I think it's like a combination of all those things, like the sentimentality of it and the celebrity and the goop and the yeah. anal. I think the... um, I, I would... How far did you get into that most recent album? I listened to it out of curiosity. This is the... What's it called? Sunrises? Sunsets? Something? Days? Oh, I forget. Whatever their latest Coldplay album is is them actively like taking a swing. It is very unmarketable in some surprising ways. There's a couple of like the singles that they have are the singles that they could choose from effectively. Cause there's a lot of, there's like weird gospel songs and like strange piano music. And there's one really long kind of jazzy African beatsy style thing. And um, I was impressed by it. Not in a way that I would For necessarily go back to but it was a it was a genuine swing in the same way that a couple of albums back they did that song midnight which was kind of like a john brion style like electronic groovy thing and i was like i went back to that recently i went back to that recently yeah Uh, and that's a good song yeah that's a really interesting vocodery kind of thing yeah they uh, what i think we've talked about this previously what i think that ultimately is most interesting about coldplay is that they have actually changed their sound so many times in a way that alienated people at the start, but which now just keeps them current for a new generation of listeners that join in. You know, they did the fucking um, uh, Imagine Dragons song, right? Like that, that they will, at whatever um, musical, you know, uh, pillar there is at any given era, they, they try and keep up with it each time. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But this one, this album that they just put out is really not like anything they've done before. And I know that that, you know, you can be cynical and say, well, you know, it doesn't take much for Coldplay to step outside of their comfort zone. But in a in a way that it's, I can't imagine it was commercially successful in the way that, you know, any previous albums had been. You don't mm. see them, you know, performing on talk shows or anything like that. This is, an, this is a kind of uncommercial album like they took a swing and i think that's where that's where the credit should be handed because uh, they yeah they, you get a they don't sound like what they used to sound like and a lot of bands only ever sound like what they used to sound like that's true i mean it's, yeah yeah they're they're interesting i wonder if they'll ever um if they'll be like a hipsters will adopt them in like the year 2050 yeah they go back it'll be like listening to the 80s music they'll listen to the you know 2030 they'll go back to the early thousands and be like oh yeah fucking coldplay brothers and sisters ep man this is where it is Mm. Um, that's assuming society survives Mm -hmm. uh if you've enjoyed this kind of chit chat um well i'm glad that (laughs) good luck to you you've got a lot of good recommendations um Go grab some Michael Jackson if you feel okay supporting a pedophile. Um, Don't grab some Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, you know, you can get your Andrew Birds, your Sufan Stevens, your Kashmir with a K, um, your Midlakes, your Radioheads, your Airs, your Coldplay, your Brokers. Your, well, no, good music. Um, the uh, that's a uh, we'll put together a Spotify playlist. Uh, we should oh, put together a Spotify playlist. You and me, yeah, a collab. Yeah, collab. Let's put some shit right. together. Um, in the meantime, uh, send us your questions and comments and thoughts to deepfort at gmail.com. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash deepfort or twitter.com slash deepfort, soundcloud.com slash deepfort for all of our amazing jingles and songs. And just leave us a good old five-star rating on Apple Podcasts too while you're there. Um, I have one factoid. Cool. I suppose uh, it could be described as a fun fact. You got a fun fact. It's a fun fact. Oh, yeah. Oh, bring it back. So here's a little bit of a fun fact. Did you know that lemons aren't real? Yes. Okay, cool. Why are lemons not real? So originally, there were basically only three citrus types, right? Should I guess? It's probably not worth it, but if you want, yeah. Bananas. Nope. (laughs) Um, There were true mandarins. There were citrons, C-I-T-R-O-N-S, and there were pomelos. There were three types of citrus. These are the original types of um, uh, citrus plants, right? And every other type of citrus that you've ever heard of is a blend or a crossbreed or a hybrid of those three, including Whoa. lemons, oranges, limes. What? Uh, all of these things are cl- like clementines, sour oranges, grapefruits. All of these are crossbreeds. None of them are actually original plants that were, you know, brought into the world that way. They've all been interbred and crossbred. What? So, yeah. Wait, there's... What's an original mandarin? So that's a, a specific species. The C. reticulata is a true mandarin. Um, but there are, uh, because the um, citrus hy- hybrids, they all, like they plants interbreed very easily. They mix genes um, very easily. And so you end up with different combinations of, of flavors. So the, the sour Trots. orange has the mandarin orange and the pomelo as parents. Well, the sweet orange has the mandarin orange and the pomelo as a grandparent and this kind of thing. Um, I, I can actually, if you open up your podcast player right now and have a look, you will see a triangular. <laughs> <laughs> you'll see a triangular graph which shows the degree of combination of various things and the way that the plants are interbred. Well, I don't recognize any of these names. So oh, pomelos, like a... citrons, and mandarins are the corners, and then uh-huh. interbreeding. With various degrees of parents and grandparents, create the um, breeds in the middle. So a lemon is in the middle. Um, also, if you click on the chapter title, um, people with podcasts, you can uh, read this article for yourself. But uh, yeah, basically, the takeaway is there's no such thing as a, a lemon tree. It was never born as an original species, never grew in the wild by itself. It was a cultivated hybrid by people crossbreeding different types of citrus together, and they made lemons, limes, and oranges, and all the almost common variants. None of them are real. Fuck. Um, 
<clears throat> I'd like to see a mango and a and a banana get oh a, a mango and a grape. Manana. That'd be cool. A manana. A manana. A manana. Okay, see you later. That's a that's a Spanish joke. Okay. Um, that's pretty interesting. Fruit has a fruit is surprisingly interesting. <laughs> just uh, it is because fruit is just exists. I, I swear we talked about this once before, but fruit exists so that it can be carried by birds and like little creatures so that they can spread the seed like it's like thing like fruits are sweet so that animals will want to eat it and then carry the seed so they can pollinate yeah the geniuses man yeah fruit fruits is geniuses should i get that on a shirt oh i got to tell you this one thing Really quickly, because I've been dying to tell you this because I thought of all people in my life, mm-hmm. you're going to be the guy that's going to really feel my pain on this one. Okay, I'm ready. Went to a cafe, went and got a, uh, I got a Soy flat these, white. Like, vegan sausage rolls, right? Oof. And the girl asked me if I want, I got, I got two, I got like a, a curry pie and a vegan sausage roll. She puts them in a, uh, in a bag. And she says, ah, do you want any sauce? And I was like, yeah, give me some sauce. And she opens the bag. She holds the brown paper bag with my two uh, pastries in there. No. And squirts the sauce all over it. No. What? I know, dude. I know. (laughs) It was unbelievable. That is chaotic evil. Who the fuck? Who does that? Loose I, in the paper bag. Thank you. Oh thank my you. God. Just just squirt it from a distance, from a height. Ugh. Squirted the sauce into the bag. I I had already paid for it. I was too in shock. <laughs> too too shocked to do oh anything. Oh my god. Really. I have PTSD now and I wasn't even yeah. there. I think I actually texted you immediately. <laughs> I was like, I've got something to tell you. Um yeah, it was it was Oh, dude! Psychopathic. I'm so sorry that thank you had to go through that. Thank you. That's it was un- yeah. unbelievable. I know. That, I know. At that point, you are within your rights to just put the bag down on the table and walk out. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a, just a whole lot of nope, and then yeah. make an exit. Yeah. I th- I appreciate I appreciate your support on this one. I, uh... What's worse is that I saw. I, it was like a car crash. When you said open the bag, I yeah. I knew where this you story was, was going, yeah. and I and I was I had to strap in because I was not ready for that turmoil. Yeah, oh. thank you, thank you. I knew you. Were, okay. I knew you were my guy on that one. <laughs> yeah, let's um, <laughs> let's name and shame. Let's start a petition. <laughs> let's call Parliament. Let's send in SWAT. Let's dox her. Let's get it. Let's find her house. Let's break her window and kill her car. I agree, man. I agree. 